0: Welcome to the podcast Not So Serious, presented by Marketing Mag. This is the podcast about communications, but not so serious. Each episode, we're going to talk to a brand or a business about how they used their marketing to make waves, not ripples. Today, we have founder of Wink Models and Marketplace that connects brands and talent the right fit, the influencers agency, hashtag gifted, entrepreneur and influencer expert, Taryn Williams. Thanks Thanks so much for joining
1: us today. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Um, Okay, so I just guess. Start from the start. Can you tell us a little bit about your storyline? Where did you start, and how did you end up here
1: today? So I've always been in the creative industry. So I started myself as a model when I was like 15. I launched my first business, Wink Models, which is a traditional modelling agency, um, about 15 years ago. I worked client side as a producer in events and experiential campaigns and photographic production. And then I launched the Right Fit nearly six years ago, which is a two-sided marketplace for creative talent. So we connect brands and advertising agencies to all sorts of creatives, so photographers and models Models and actors and influencers. So I've kind of seen the industry kind of from each side um, as a talent, as an influencer myself, as an agent, and then as a client as well. So it's an industry I'm really passionate about and it's been fascinating to watch it evolve over the last, especially the last 24 months where we've seen this huge shift towards social.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think that that shift towards social, yeah, I mean, it would be really interesting to, I guess, know what you are seeing as those changes that have happened in the last 24 months, because I think that they're massive and they're still happening right
1: now. Absolutely. Um, we've seen some pretty interesting core trends um, one is we've definitely seen brands in housing their content creation in influencer marketing campaigns so shifting away from using traditional agencies and bringing those capabilities in-house I think the changes mainly come from the fact that those channels are such fast turnaround content that it really is quite hard to outsource that work and go through the traditional process of engaging an agency going through multiple rounds of revisions and edits um, when as we all know trends on social social can change in 24 hours or you want to be able to be really responsive to a trend or something topical that's that's come out in the world and you need to be able to do that really quickly and really efficiently and so I think a lot of brands have built those um, capabilities in-house to sort of deal with that and then of course obviously COVID really expedited this trend as well so with brands needing to feel always on social channels and really using online channels to communicate with their customers or potential customers during COVID when obviously we were all spending so much more time online, so much more time on social media. Um, You know, the growth of platforms like TikTok, obviously, we all know about. So, I think it's been quite interesting. You know, we're seeing many more different types of, um, I guess, social campaigns and digital campaigns um, and, of course, the growth of, of influence marketing as part of that too.
0: I think what I found very interesting during COVID was seeing the traditional influencers that have been around for a long time have to pivot their content as well. So when the glamorous parties and the overseas trips got taken away, what were the bones that we were left with?
1: I think it's fascinating. I think we saw it from a brand and an influencer perspective, like brands who really understood their audience and really understood social absolutely thrived during COVID. And it wasn't necessarily a sector by sector thing. You know, we saw brands who were still very much in travel and tourism, who probably really, you know, didn't have a lot to talk about during COVID, having still fantastic social media campaigns happening. Um, and I think it's the same with influencers, right? It separated the good from the great. Those who really understood their audience and those who knew how to tell a story and could pivot and still find, you know, relevant content to talk to their audience about really stood out during COVID.
0: I think both relevant and genuine. I, people started to to lose the filters and everything like that. And the genuine content is what really came through.
1: Yeah, I t- couldn't agree with you more. It really came back to what social was meant for, which is like a two-way conversation, right? Like, so I think content during that time, obviously, no one wanted to be sold to. No one wanted to feel, I guess, what we'd probably become accustomed to thinking of influencer marketing being as these shiny sales exciting events and things like that it really had to be a time where you were either educating you were empowering you were informing or you were entertaining and and I think that was amazing um, I think process to go through because inherently that's what all influencer marketing should be and i think we'd probably just got to a point where the industry had maybe been a little bit lax in that and we had got caught up in this idea of just being like let's just post beautiful content and these shiny exciting experiences without really thinking what's the why behind this how are we actually adding value to someone
0: vulnerability was also a massive one So them being able to be really vulnerable and say, I am really struggling
1: right now. And I think that's one of the reasons that we've seen TikTok grow so strongly during this time as well, is it's as a platform, it it couldn't be more different to, to the glossy, shiny nature of Instagram. It is, it's unfiltered, it's raw and the type of content that is shared there is, you know, so vastly different to, I guess, what we've been used to consuming and what Instagram is really designed for. You know, that platform is designed with, beautiful filters and, and to, mm. to be a highlights reel and, and TikTok is almost a complete antithesis of that.
0: Before we go into all of those amazing new platforms and the way that people are doing content now, let's go back to six years ago when you decided that you wanted to start the right fit. What was the gap in the market that you saw between agency and talent? What really mm. made you want to start the right fit?
1: There was a really big gap in how um, the content brands needed to create and how they could go about doing that. So I always say a really good example is um, Qantas is one of our best clients at The Right Fit. They're a fantastic brand, obviously dearly beloved to all of us while we couldn't travel during covid and they need to make content now that can go into global advertising banks that can be used anywhere in the world in perpetuity. And, and a lot of brands are in a similar position, right? They're shooting content that is going into their global advertising bank that might be used for a Mother's Day campaign next year, or it might be used in a, a global flash sale on Black Friday. And traditionally, agencies, talent agencies and managers are not designed for that kind of content. They're designed for a brand that says we want to shoot a TBC. It's going to live online for three months. Live on, on TV for three months, and the actor is paid accordingly. And so, this new type of content, this sort of social media um, or online content that lives indefinitely in perpetuity globally, traditional agencies aren't designed to be able to grapple with that. And so, if you were to cost that up from an agency, they'd sort of be asking for twenty, thirty thousand dollars for an actor for those campaigns. Which, as a brand, you just go, no, that doesn't. You know, they can't fathom that. It doesn't make sense um, from an acquisition cost perspective when this is a snackable piece of content that's going to live online for, for maybe a week, you know, might even live online less than that. So I could see that that was changing. And then I could. there was also obviously the growth of the social media channels and, and also talent building their own brands online. So instead of having these agencies as gatekeepers and intermediaries, there really was the ability for a brand and, you know, you see this with so many of the great digital um, first brands that have launched who are really able to go, hey, this person really personifies my brand. I'm just going to contact them directly and reach out to them and engage them to be an influencer for my company or appear in my brand campaign. And they've been able to grow their brands that way. I mean, Show Pony is a fantastic example of that. Mm. Both of those trends were sort of occurring at the same time. And there was this global shift to sort of the gig economy and on-demand workforces and and the growth in marketplaces like Upwork and Airtasker and Airbnb. And I thought, gosh, you know, I own a talent agency. So I was like, wow, I can either be on the right side or the wrong side of this trend. Um, I can either choose to be the one that that does the disrupting or wait for someone else to sort of disrupt our industry and I'm going to be on the wrong side of that transaction. So I built an end-to-end onboarding calendar management and payroll integration software for Wink. God, maybe 10 years ago. And I fell in love with this idea of, of solving business product uh, problems using technology. And I'm by no means a technical founder. I, you know, I can't code. Um, I'm very lucky to have an amazing engineering team. But I thought, God, maybe if I could apply all of the learnings from building that product for Wink to build a marketplace that serves all of the creative economy. So, you know photographers and models and actors and stylists and and all of the sort of creatives that I've come up against you know and alongside in my career how could I sort of build something that serves them as well as these new the creator economy that's coming through you know youtubers and tiktokers and twitchers and and how can I build a a platform for them to build their own brand safely and securely online and monetize that so Yeah, that was sort of where where the platform started and it's sort of really grown and evolved since there um, to really try and adapt and, and keep up with the trends that we're seeing in the industry. What the
0: Rightfit has done really well, from how it started to now, kind of organically, what the influencer path has taken, is that it's people are looking for more of those micro influencers now, and you're able to to give that. I think we used to go for people that had six hundred thousand followers, but what were they? Did they even align with our brand? And I think that this niche influencer is really important now.
1: Yeah, and what we've tried to do is aggregate all of those different tiers in one place. So, you know, you can come to the platform and, yes, you can find someone with 4.5 million followers if that's what you're looking for. And they still have a place in brand campaigns, absolutely. But then you can find someone with, you know, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 followers. And you can get so granular. You can search by things like yoga instructor or... You know, if you want someone who's celiac and gluten intolerant, you want someone who is ident- identifies as being in a same-sex relationship, you can find, because as you said, it's all about authenticity, finding that really specific niche influencer who talks to a, a very particular type of audience, which is so much more effective than going, as you say, big and broad and, and saying, because there, there is a case, of course, for those times where you say, you know, I do just want to be associated with this particular influencer from a sort of very top-of-funnel perspective and brand-aligned alignment and and getting that halo effect on your brand of being associated with the the Kim Kardashian, you know, whatever it is. But then there's so many more times, especially when you're looking at bottom of the funnel and and trying to convert, is those people who are just so much more aligned with your target audience and demographic.
0: You come from more traditional modelling and now, obviously, you have that traditional modelling agency. How important do you think it is for a a traditional model to have the crossover into influencer and a big platform like that as well?
1: Look, I'm not going to lie. We definitely see brands asking for that as part of um, their brief now when they're casting talent. And look, I understand why from twofold. There's there's the social proof of um, basically saying, you know, let's 100,000 people like this talent and follow this talent. So I'm making a good choice as a brand to put this person in my campaign because there's the social proof of, of all of these people like them. So they must be a good model. They must be a, a good actor or whatever it might be. And then on the flip side, there's obviously the um, the hope that this talent is going to share the final artwork um, or post behind-the-scenes content. And then, of course, that sort of, again, sort of brand halo effect of being associated with this person who's got a bit of a profile and, and audience. So definitely we yeah. see brands including it in, as part of their campaign brief and I would highly recommend to models that it's, it's about building your own brand and personal brand online. And, you know, I talk about this a lot from. from Any industry, I think it's so important. Whether you're a, you know, you work in a in an agency um, or you know you're a freelancer, I think building your brand and personal brand is so important because it helps people really decide whether or not what you offer is is what they want to align with, Um, and it unlocks so many additional sort of opportunities and revenue streams.
0: I mean, it's clever. I think back in the day, you know, you would have wanted to have picked a Miranda Kerr for your campaign so that people recognise her. So I feel like it's the same sort of thing and you know, now we're seeing a lot of influencers become models over models becoming influencers because people want to align with that person. There's Kath Ebbs from Sydney that I see. She's well.
1: amazing.
0: Yeah. she's And she's got this complete niche group and then yeah. now she's able to really speak to that and people trust her. And so yeah. when I see a brand like Bonds choosing to use Kath at the front, I think, yeah, that's awesome.
1: Couldn't agree with you more. And it's so much aligned with the idea of That authenticity in advertising, as well, like consumers are so vocal now, and they have direct ways to reach out to brands. So if they're seeing in a bonds campaign all blonde, nineteen-year-old, size eight models, they they can actively reach out to bonds and share their feedback and say, "Hey, not okay. You know, this is not representative. This does not make me feel included as a consumer." And so brands are so much more savvy and going, I need to really reflect our customer base in our advertising if I want to take them on this journey and and have them feel included and, and, um, you know, obviously the end goal of of purchasing a product.
0: Well, I think more and more that we're seeing those brands being socially policed. So um, Mm, if an influencer launches a campaign and only uses one, what they would consider a woman of colour or something like that in it, and people the comment sections you yeah. as soon as a comment section is turned off you i go to myself oh, what happened there? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> it's So true, isn't it? That does lead me to my next question. The next kind of generation is coming up, you know, they're they're legal, they're 18, they're allowed to kind of go out there themselves now. Are they more cynical than than you know my, my generation, the millennial would have been to influences?
1: I'd like to say not cynical, but they're definitely more aware. I definitely Mm. think they expect more from brands, like exactly what you just said. They expect brands to have values and they expect them to speak up for those values and stand by those values. Whereas I think probably maybe our generation and the generation before, um, we certainly um, wouldn't purchase products that we felt – were maybe misaligned with our values, but we certainly didn't expect brands to live and breathe and stand by their values every day and be aligned with with political causes or social causes that were important to us. So I think um, they're definitely much more aware and um, they're definitely much more educa- educated and able to access information. You know, they want to know about the brand's supply chains. They want to know that um, the brand has sustainability, um, you know, processes in place and, and they want to know how they feel about things that are relevant to them, you know, whether that is about, you know, how they represent the LGBTQI community or whether how they support people of colour in their workplaces and... And, you know, I think that's really powerful because it does, that's what is going to affect change and get these brands moving, you know, towards the direction that I think we all feel is is the right one.
0: And I think that you see it from both ends. You really want to see that brands are sustainable, that brands are buying into, you know, that they're not just going rainbow for the month of pride and things like that. Yeah. There's a lot of conversation around that. But then I also see people saying, oh, that person will just sell anything. So I think that it's on the flip side that they they make sure that the influencer that they're following is being cautious about who they're aligning with at the same time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I always say like a great influencer should say no more than they say yes. You know, they should there should only be so few brands or you know depending on who you are that really align with you and that you can authentically say yes I love this product I use this product or this product would add so much value to my audience like it feels like a great fit it should always be mutually beneficial right like should be something that you feel like wow my audience is going to get something out of this and they're gonna really enjoy learning about this product or service
0: Tune in next episode for the second part of our conversation with Taryn as she talks about how influencers are now joining in with the federal election.
1: So we've been working with people who are you know incredibly passionate about particular areas so whether that is a lot lot of them have been climate activists some have um, just a broader social reach because they're well-known media commentators and then we have some fantastic comedians who are making very very cool content that you'll start seeing rolling out that are just trying to engage people and and make them aware that hey yes there's an election coming up and what does it mean to vote independent and getting to know who your local independents are.